is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Good morning. I like participation. It's just great, isn't it? Wonderful. Um, when, when I was uh, talking about guilt earlier, uh, as part of the word from this morning, um, that we shouldn't be burdened by guilt. We shouldn't. There's, there's a number of things that, uh, uh, in our daily living, uh, how we bring things in line with grace. And the subject matter today is, is grace. There it is. Big word. It's one of those uh, amazing truths of God. The, the further you dig into it, the more you realize you don't know. You're always finding out more and more and more. Whether you're looking into his love, whether you're looking into his holiness, whether you're looking into his righteousness, whether you're looking into his creativity, you look into the characteristics of God and you just keep going. It's just never-ending. That's why we've got eternity to be with him, because we're going to just keep on finding out about him. And it's going to be better than this. Now, this is good. <laughs> this is good, but it's going to be better than this. So uh, the, the, the grace subject comes out of our series about Jubilee values, right? So the values of Jubilee Church. And one of our values and one of our heartbeats is grace. So we're, we're looking uh, at grace this morning in that context of how uh, we live our lives in and through grace. So I'm not trying to say, hey, it's just by grace that you're saved because it's also by faith and it's also through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, etc. So when I talk about grace being, all right, it's in balance with all the other scriptures that you might think of and think, oh, he hasn't mentioned, all right, because that can actually happen from time to time. So I've given myself uh, three, um, or maybe the Lord even gave us uh, three points. Uh, it is by grace that I am saved. Uh, number two, it is by grace that I have any or all good victories in my life through Jesus Christ. And it's by grace that I will enter into heaven to go to be with Jesus at some stage. Right. So those are my, my, my three points. We're going to get straight into uh, this amazing, amazing grace. Now, sometimes when you get... Who wants an easy word this morning? Always. Always want an easy word. Who wants a challenging word this morning? Every week. Every week. Okay. And who wants an entertaining word this morning? Definitely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Above all else, this word of God should change us, shouldn't it? Lord, I don't want to be as I am. I want to be more like you. And how do I do that except by grace and cooperating with him? So this word should be all of those things. I'm not so sure about the entertainment. I was walking the dog this morning and I thought, should I ask them? You know, I was just going through my head words to use. Entertainment word or challenging word. And I really felt the conviction of the Lord. What do you mean I'm not entertaining? Have a look at creation. Have a look at all the things I do. Are you more entertained by plays on the TV or films rather than me? And I thought, oh, okay, I'm being told off now. <laughs> okay, and God does that. He tells me off. But he's a good dad, isn't he? And therefore, when we come to him with this whole message of grace, I can't think of a more encouraging word 
than I've done it all. And that's God speaking. He's done it all. Everything we need, he's done it all. So here we are, uh, moving on to my uh, number one. Grace uh, is through grace that I am saved. So if there's any of you here this morning unsure about that fact, uh, etc., um, it's, it's, uh, it's quite simple. Uh, how to receive the grace that God has poured out into everybody's life who's willing to receive it. First of all, I need to believe. So first of all, when you're having a look at believe that God is, right, uh, is one of our faith steps that we've really got to embrace that actually we do believe God. Right? We believe in God. Uh, number two, we need to be able to say sorry and come to God with a heart of repentance. We will be reading it. Don't worry, we're getting there. Uh, with a heart of repentance. One of the things I said this morning about when, if you feel like feeling guilty is it come and leave it at the cross, say you're sorry, and walk away and do good. That's all repentance is, isn't it? It's, it's recognizing that in part of our lives, there'll always be things, because we're not perfected yet, that we need to say sorry for, turn around, and do things God's way. So saying sorry and repentance, receiving your forgiveness. So now I've repented, I can actually receive my forgiveness from God. And uh, the last thing is to ask God to give me his Holy Spirit that I might live for him and not myself. So there's our salvation piece. And this scripture, Romans uh, 3, verses 21 to 26, we're going to read it all together. Uh, you don't have to voice it, but uh, let's read what it says. It's just so full of amazing truths. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the Pharisees testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be able to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Now this is a huge package and we could spend a couple of weeks really unpacking the, the whole idea of being redeemed, justified and sanctified. We could, we could just seriously, here, give us a couple of months and we'll get through this. Uh, being redeemed, this, this, this whole scripture talks about how God is this righteous and just. Hmm? Now, many of you might have seen in, uh, in the press and uh, in our politics, etc., people getting away with things that are just so wrong. People just getting away with things that are so wrong. It's unjust. And we can judge things and say, that's not right. That, sh that shouldn't be allowed. Right? 
and we know that justice isn't being served. And we have a wonderful Father in heaven who sees all the sin in my life and knows that I need to pay for it. The sins that had actually happened that he had decided not to. What was that all about? Well, way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were told, if you eat of this tree, you will die. And since then, more sin has continued. Right? Now, physically people have died, etc. But, but this is saying, hey, there's a judgment coming for the sin. Here's the judgment coming for the sin. But in this scripture, we see that righteousness and justice are met at the cross. You see, someone had to pay for my sin. Who was going to pay for it? So if you're in debt and you owe the credit card company money or you owe banks money or whatever it is, at some stage, someone's going to want you to pay it back. Does that sound about right? It is, isn't it? You know, they expect you to pay it back. So when you're in debt... That's what actually happens. People need to pay the debt. In the same as if you were in a court and someone was judging you and finding you guilty, someone has to pay the consequence of that judgment. And here we have God judging us as sinful, because we are. Anybody not got any sin? Any? So here we are, before a throne of judgment, and in comes Jesus and said, hold on, Father, I've paid I've paid for that sin. And the debt is clear. So that's one of the wonderful things about redemption. The redemption of my debt. It's been paid for, which is great. Uh, so when we're having a look at this, and we're thinking about, well, okay, you were, someone paid the debt for you. You no longer have to pay the debt. Did that mean you were guilt-free? Well, no. I was deemed guilty, but someone paid the sentence for me, did the, did, the, did the whole thing for me. Justified means, well, actually, I, I, I've got to come in here, and what actually happens is, Jesus says, well, I'll tell you what, as well as paying your debt, what I'm going to give you is my holiness and righteousness so that your condemnation is no longer yours. So when God looks at you, he's not going to look at the sinful one of us. But he's going to see the holiness and obedience of Christ who died sinless. So that's how we're justified. I don't know. Is anybody excited by those two facts? Someone paid our debt absolutely amazingly and then even though we did wrong, says, no, I'll tell you what, you have my goodness. You clothe yourself in my righteousness and my holiness. Isn't this fantastic? And then to cap it all off, I'll tell you what, whenever God looks at you, he's going to see you as righteous. Now, no, I'm going to give you the righteousness that is mine. In fact, I'm going to make it so that at the point of salvation, you are now perfected and holy and righteous. That's what redemption is. So at the point of being saved, this good news, right? So the gospel of good news is grace. Did anybody deserve any of that? I've just described the greatest grace message known to mankind. Because it is for mankind. 
There is no, there's no other religion where God comes and pays the price for us. That wipes it all clean and sets us up for a life of victory. So that's our salvation story. All right? And it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful grace message. Now, why did we need to get digging into that so much uh, when I'm looking really at my uh, second slide about uh, how well we're living this Christian life? Because I, I just mentioned that now you're perfect. You're perfected. You, you came to Christ and he says, there you go, brand new creation. It, it does say that somewhere in Scripture, doesn't it? You are a brand new creation. I no longer live, but I live in Christ Jesus and he lives in me. Isn't that wonderful? But do I live that life victorious in every way? Anybody perfected yet? Not yet. Okay. Are we working on it? So what we're looking at here is, is, is asking ourselves this question uh, of grace, really. Um, I wonder how you do feel about your walk with God today. If we were stopping and thinking, is God happy with every bit of your life? Is he? Are you victorious and living holy lives? I wonder. Some Christians have good days and some Christians have bad days. Sometimes Christians have good and bad days. How can that be? I've been singing this morning about being victorious and all of those things, etc. How is it possible that I have good and bad days? What's going on? Now, if I truly asked you how you're feeling before God this morning... You might. My, my, my second one was guilt. <laughs> it's funny how that came up this morning. But I thought some of the youngsters sometimes carry guilt that they shouldn't carry. They're born again, and actually, why carry the guilt? God, it's not a, it's not a thing of God, right, when you're a born-again Christian, actually. The other thing I've got down here is self-righteousness. So on the one side, I'm feeling I'm victorious and I'm doing well in God, etc. It's fantastic. I, I could get a bit self-righteous. That's a dangerous place to be. It's almost as dangerous as guilt. Right? Because when I'm thinking about self-righteousness, I haven't got self-righteousness. Do you know where my righteousness comes from? God! Well done, I like that. My wife. Okay, yeah. God. That's where I get my righteousness from. Where do I get any goodness from? God. Anything that might be going right isn't self-righteousness. It's God's righteousness. And there, therein lies a bit of a challenge. Understanding God's view of these sorts of things. And I'm making those points because uh, sin in today's world has become normal. So I, I don't want to talk about the gross sins of murder and all the other things that might go on, uh, and we know atrocities and that sort of thing. Those are terrible sins, and I don't think many of us here would have been involved in any of those horrendous sins. Nobody's murdered anybody. You might have, but God can still even forgive that sort of thing. 
What are the other sorts of sins? The second rate of sin, all right, that, that God might look at and we might look at. Maybe it's uh, you know, adultery. Maybe it's uh, theft. Maybe it's those sorts of things. Um, and let's face it, they are much worse than speeding fines, aren't they? Okay, and uh, there, there might be another level of sin that we might want to look at, like, oh, uh, I haven't been quite honest on my tax form, or uh, things uh, that we're... They're wrong. We'd all agree with they're wrong. But are they really sin? God has a view of sin. And it's either sin... Or it's not. In the Garden of Eden, there was only one sin. In the Garden of Eden, there was only one sin. Don't eat of the tree. It was quite simple, wasn't it, really? Don't eat of the tree. So what was the sin? Disobeying God. That's what sin is. Disobeying God. Gave the Ten Commandments and all that sort of thing. But way before that, hey, there was sin. And God judged the sin. So when we're looking today and we're actually thinking, well, what is sin? It's wherever we are not obeying God in our lives. So what sort of things could this be? Well, when we have a listen to what God's commandments are, um, he commands us to be holy. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm working on it. Are we working on it? I think we're working, right? Uh, he calls us to be humble. If you're self-righteous, it's pretty difficult to be humble. When we're having a look at good days and bad days, how good do you have to be to have a good day in God? To feel good. How, how bad does it have to be to be having a bad day in God? I've got to tell you, both of those feelings are wrong and they deny God. Because every day you have is full of righteousness, full of victory, full of our Lord Jesus in you doing a great work. When we're looking at how we're feeling on a day, it should be reliant on him, not on us. So when we're having a look at these sorts of things, I'm taking grace into this whole sanctification piece of living our lives by grace. Because if it's not by your deeds and what you do, it's by grace that you have victories. I've got to be looking for Christ's victories in my life everywhere. And cooperating with him in my life everywhere. Sin is judged by God. So if we're missing stuff, what does that mean? So, uh, there we go. <laughs> One of the things that tends to happen in our world is that we see in our world ungodliness. Now, at a very base level, this comes out in all sorts of social media, all sorts of social media, as criticisms, destructive horribleness, where we're always trying to find fault, etc., and uh, one of the things I wanted to mention this morning was uh, just, just some of the commandments about loving one another. So I did start a little bit late, so I'm going to run a little bit late, just to give you the heads up. All right. So what does this look like? All right. It says up here, 
Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and you don't look at the plank in your own? So one of the things God's really put on my heart during this time was this whole idea of loving one another. In 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us what love is. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is. It's it's, it's a great analogy of what love is. Uh, The one thing love is, isn't, is critical. Love isn't fault-finding. Love isn't running people down. Uh, and the challenge for me, I, I was reading uh, in my part of my study in, in Grace, was uh, a book by Jerry Bridges, and it's The Discipline of Grace. Um, I was talking to someone uh, just the other weekend, and they said to me, Grace is too much of a soft message. It's too soft. He says, you get saved, you can do what you like. And you're eternally saved. So you can do what you like. And then when you die, you go be with God in heaven. You can, you can do what you like. And he was saying it from a point of view of frustration. Because actually, having spent 20 odd years doing it their way, they'd realized actually all the mess that they'd created in their life. And the reason they could create that amount of mess in their life was because they can carry on believing that they were saved because they'd given their lives to the Lord many, many decades ago and actually carry on living their life as they liked. And still get into heaven. Which sounds outrageous. He says it's too easy to live a life like that. Yeah, but you're not, you're not called to live a life like that. What sort of life are you called to live? One that actually engages God and is a living relationship with God. And that's the point that person was making. He had wasted so much time. The discipline of grace is a tough book. <laughs> Because it's telling us the things that we need to do. I'm going to read a little bit from it because what he does is he takes Corinthians 13, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and he changes the words as if to be declaring our attitude towards one another. All right, so I am patient. So love is patient. And I am patient with you because I love you and want to forgive you. I wonder if there's anybody in the church today that you've got, oh, goodness me, them again. You haven't got patience. Because <laughs> on the one side, this is a great thing that God does for us. I'm patient with you because I love you and I want to forgive you. That's why I sorted out the cross. In exactly the same way, we want to behaving that way towards one another, don't we? I certainly want you to behave that way to me. <laughs> The next one is, I'm kind to you because I love you and want to help you. I do not envy your possessions or your gifts because I love you. I want the very best for you. I do not boast about my attainments because I love you. I want to hear about yours. I'm not proud because I love you. I want to esteem you before myself. I'm not rude because I love you and care about your feelings. I am not self-seeking because I love you and want to meet your needs. I'm not easily angered by you because I love you and want to overlook your offences. I do not need to record your wrongs because I love you and love covers a multitude of sins. 
One of the things uh, Jerry talks about in his book is about this whole need to not be critical. When God commands us not to judge one another, it's quite serious, isn't it? Don't judge anybody. Why? Because God says, don't judge anybody. So if you've judged anybody today, we need to take it to the cross and ask for forgiveness, don't we? Why? Because it's disobeying God. Whenever we disobey God, it's a sin. And so many sins in this day and age have become so low. Well, everybody does, it's all right. They're just so low on our profile. They seem so small in comparison with big sins. And God says, no. No, life is not like that. Sin is not like that. In fact, when we see how we should relate to one another in Scripture, it just pictures a wonderful family of encouraging, thoughtful, grace-filled people that are always looking out for one another, always encouraging one another, always building one another up. Now, we do it to a level, but I think God is saying, I want you to do it at a higher level. I wonder where you are in the midst of that. I get quite challenged with this whole, this whole uh, thing about um, <laughs> criticism, finding fault. Finding fault when people come and tell you stuff that's not right. Is that helpful? Is it good? I find very rarely. I find it very rarely. People coming and criticizing, people coming and finding fault. Why would you do that? Because actually God says it's sin. How do we get to a place where we are in those grace-filled words, loving, caring, kindness, patience. How do we do that? Now, you shouldn't be coming thinking, oh, I failed again. Oh, this is terrible. Because my last point, really, number three, is that I'm going to enter heaven by grace. All right. And all the way along my life, I will be living this struggle. And the struggle is how I live with this amazing gospel of truth in my life every day. So in Jeff Bridges' book, he talks about preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Every day. So come to the cross every day. I found it so helpful. I'm doing it three or four times a day now. Because when you preach the gospel, which I started the whole thing off with, to yourself... Wow, it just opens the floodgates of God's love into my life and it opens the floodgates of love from my life to God. You see, none of the things that God wants us to do should be done out of guilt or conviction of guilt or because we're ashamed or we think it's something we should do. All of the things God calls us to do should come out of the fact that we love him. Not because we have to, but because we love him. And then what we find ourselves doing is copying God. Because <laughs> he's done all of this through grace, because he loves us. 
So the whole idea of, of actually preaching the gospel to myself every day has been just a wonderful experience for about the last month, I've got to tell you. Wonderful. Um, does that mean you never did before? No, I quite often thank God for saving me, etc. But the whole idea of discipline in this was to make sure that I was in tune with God and I was allowing God to make changes in me. And the closer I get to him, I've got to tell you, my life is more challenging. Because <laughs> you spot the smaller things. Why? Because you've dealt with the bigger things. <laughs> so there's only the bit smaller things that are left, and they're still sin. Because they're disobedience to God. So um, what actually happens later on in life? Uh, well, in 1 Timothy, uh, in 1 Timothy you find Paul... Uh, declaring himself later on in his ministry as the worst of sinners. I mean, I thought he was competing with me. The worst of sinners. And you might think it was because, oh, we persecuted the early church and all that sort of thing. You might have thought that. But actually, no. He says, I am the worst of sinners. Present tense. It wasn't because he was thinking he was, and he's over that now. He was saying, no, here I am, in later years, you know, he's discipled, he's just doing amazing, amazing things for God, and here he is, declaring himself the worst of sinners. Uh, I've got this letter that's, uh, that, that was written. Uh, some of you might remember, uh, or know of, you won't remember him because he was around in 1793. So William uh, Carey was around, and uh, he did amazing things. Uh, he's called, often called the father of modern mission. His vast labors for Christ, including translating all or parts of the Bible into more than 40 languages and dialects. That's just awesome, isn't it? I've got to say, that's what God did through him. On his 70th birthday, he wrote to his son these words. I am this day 70 years old, a monument of divine mercy and goodness. Though on a review of my life, I find much very much for which I ought to be humbled in the dust. My direct and positive sins are innumerable. My negligence in the Lord's work has been great. I have not promoted his cause, nor sought his glory and honour as I ought. Notwithstanding all this, I am spared till now, and am still retained in his work, and I trust I am received into his divine favour through him. Both Paul and William knew they were saved by grace. And they were living by grace. And they knew every day that it was by grace that they were doing anything good. They were so close to God that that actually today, today, whilst they were living in it, they were convicted to living according to his will. To continually refine this flesh, body, etc., old mind, old thinking, they got close to God on a daily, daily basis so that <laughs> they knew the closeness of God, and they were continually laying down the things of the flesh, of their own agenda, etc. They were close enough that they would see those things and know their failings, but glorying in the 
things that God was doing through them. Neither of them say, look what I did. They all said, look what God did. When you look at Paul and his writings, he talks about being in Christ, with Christ. The person of Christ in him. 147 times he makes those types of reference because he's that close to God. How can you be that close with God? It's through grace. Uh, I found it just liberating, just declaring the good news, the gospel, when I started this. And I would encourage you, because it's such a wonderful grace message, all of the things he did for me. And he did it, did it, because of his great love for me. You are loved this morning. We're not concentrating on sin. We're concentrating on all that God has done and all the opportunities there are that we can do things through him and in him. That's what grace is. And it's part of our relationship with one another and it should be part of every one of our lives. So um, preaching the gospel to yourself today. So I thought I would finish uh, with a prayer, at least some sort of, how do we, Lord, take this to our hearts and make it into a habit that is helpful. I don't want it to be a religion. I want it to be a relationship. I want to talk to you, Lord, every day about this gospel so that I can live in the goodness of all that you do. See, and this is one of those things. Um, further on in the book, it talks about a number of different bits and pieces, but in Scripture it tells us you know, that we need to be active. Right? Faith and deeds. Show me, about, show me your faith without deeds, <laughs> and I'll show you my faith with deeds. Right? So quite often we're called to do something. So what I'd like you to do, uh, start off with, is stand up. All right, and I'm gonna, we're just going to pray. We're not going to ask you to do anything more. Well, do you? Okay. So every now and again, God speaks to you and prompts you, as if you can. If you, if you, you know, uh, if you're like me, I've got a bit of a gammy knee at the moment. Um, then, then, then stay seated. So, you, 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 what I want us to do is commit to God. I want to commit to God. A heartfelt. I'm leaving stuff behind and I'm moving forward. If I've been self-righteous and judgmental of others, because that's usually what self-righteousness does. It actually says, oh yeah, yeah, look at them, I'm better than them. Actually, we don't even have to think we're better than them. We just look at them and say, God says, don't do that. But there's lots of other things. We can carry guilt, burdens, Jesus says, my burden's light. You don't have to carry that. I'll carry that for you. And you don't worry about, you know, and you really don't need to worry about people getting away with stuff. Because before God, nobody gets away with anything. So you may not be in any either of those camps. <laughs> you just want more of God this morning. And I would encourage you, I would encourage you, while you're standing before him, 
close your eyes, you're standing before the throne of grace. But you've got to know that this is also a throne of judgment, a throne of righteousness, a throne of goodness, a throne of plenty, a throne of victory. Just let God touch you in an area so that now or later on you can take it to the cross. Remind yourself that there's no condemnation because you're now in Christ Jesus. And you can leave it behind. Whatever it is, we thank you, Lord, that this is your wisdom. This is your plan. This is an outworking of the most amazing love that I know. And I pray you will help us to love you in return. Our obedience must come out of a love for you, not some religious thing. So Lord, settle that in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said? Thank you.